Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Nicole Salmon, Anika Allen, and Camila Pereira. And we had a whole lot of fun chatting about a new project called Collecting Courage. It's a book. It's a collection of stories. It's uh, And it all happened on St. Patrick's Day, which I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, but I do think if I remember correctly on the, on the Zoom interview, none of us were wearing green. So perhaps... Hmm. Perhaps there's uh, more going on than meets the eye there. But you know what? We we talk about so many things. Mostly we talk about this project, which you can find more out about, called uh, CollectingCourage.org. And you need to stay tuned because we've got a special event coming up in April. You're going to be hearing more about it on my podcast, but you're also going to be seeing some advertising about it, I hope and trust. And it's going to be a live event happening, uh, a face-to-face live event, which is happening more and more uh, uh, regularly now, at least once a month, sometimes twice, April 16th, 12.30 to 2. You'll be able to register on Eventbrite. We talk about this film. We talk about the people who uh, are, are, are writing, uh, I, I'm going to say a counter narrative. We talk about why enough is enough and about public outings and about why it's so important to, you know, keep our eyes wide open. We talk about truth and, and, and experience and about the story of relationships and, and about how how about how the time is always going to be now and 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 what what does it mean to see the world and to see others through a lens of 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 hearing of you know of being aware and 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 i you know not only is this book a, a book of 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 stories it's a book of conversations and that's what this is about this is about it is about the threat of racism that runs deep and and as as I think Nicole said runs runs far. We talk about things like historic exclusion. I mean, what is that? I mean, let's let's uh, peel back the surface and go a little deeper about proximity being the problem and and we get into the practicalities of what's happening in in fundraising in the charitable sector and anti-racism and and this 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 notion of action and inaction. And believe me, it's sounding maybe uh, I don't know a little heady and very 
academic and and it was but it was just <laughs> full of laughter and and we just had a lot of fun as well and and i think that's a really uh, important testament to the to you know to the 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 joy the love and uh, that, that 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 this group of of rare, very talented writers and authors bring uh, to this project so so stay tuned and 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 listen in you're go- you're going to you're going to love this group and you're going to want to get your hands uh, on this book and i hope uh, i really hope and trust there's going to be some really cool swag coming uh, out of this conversation as well down the road i i know i want to get my coffee mug and i know everybody uh, is uh, you know anika camila and nicole are probably sick of, of 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 hearing about the coffee mug but i think i think folks i think it's coming anyway check check uh, them out a little bit more online collectingcourage.org you can get the book there as well anika Al- Camila Pereira and Nicole Salmon. Don't forget, uh, my new website has just launched. Uh, you can get there a variety of ways, but davidpecklive.com. But really, uh, you're probably arriving through iTunes or, or maybe face-to-face-live.ca. And, and, and you can go a little deeper there. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, 500 in, oh, I don't know, 47 interviews or something like that. Maybe we've even crossed the 550 mark. Uh, and um, yeah, reach out if you'd like to advertise. And you know what? But most importantly, what we would love from you is to like us on YouTube and also to leave us a review on iTunes. That would be brilliant. We'd appreciate it and it would go a long way. And don't touch that dial, an anthology that's lyrical, poetic, and beautifully written. Coming right up, a conversation with Anika Allen, Camila Pereira, Nicole Salmon here on Face to Face, Collecting Courage. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by uh, several very special guests here with us today, uh, editors and authors of a, a new collection that you're going to want to get your hands on called Collecting Courage. We have Camila Pereira, Anika Allen, and Nicole Salmon here uh, on Face to Face Live. Thank you so much for, for all of you for joining me here today. So glad to join you, David. So I've been really looking forward to this conversation for a lot of reasons. And as most of my listeners will know, I've worked uh, in and around the nonprofit sector for, for about 20 years. I've, I've taught international development at Humber College. I've worked with some, you know, mostly small agencies, and but a few very large agencies as well. So I've kind of both ends of the spectrum. So when I saw uh, your, your, your book, and I think it was a mutual friend, a nice little shout out for Mazarin, uh, Mazarin Trace, uh, Wild Woman Fundraising. Is that right, Anika? Right. Yeah. yeah. Check, check Mazarin out. She, she's, uh, she's a force to be reckoned with. So folks, you need, you need to, to look her up. But she, she introduced me to you and, and immediately the title had me. And, and I would love to hear from each of you or one of you, how did the project sort of develop and what did it come out, come out of um what yeah i've I've got my ideas of course but but anika how about you step right into it tell tell us where the 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 genesis of this project uh, finds itself so the great question david the genesis of collecting courage really emerges out of a project called our right to heal and that was a project that uh, a group of us, all of us on the call today, participated in uh, with the Association of Fundraising Professionals. And, you know, when that project essentially was uh, 12, 10, pardon me, 10 first person narratives from Black Canadian fundraisers talking about their experiences um, of racism, but predominantly with the lens of healing, how they 
you know, what methods they employ to heal and to survive uh, the charitable sector. And um, so that project launched in May of 2020, uh, one week before George Floyd died. Mm. And so, you know, the world sort of opened up in a new way, mm. uh, or I should say the ears of the world opened up in a new way. And as a result, um, Gail Pico, who is uh, our editor, um, caught wind of, of our project. And Nicole loves to share sort of a, the parallel track to the project, our right to heal and how Gail's you know, emerged in onto the scene and how Collecting Courage came to be. Thanks, Anika. Yes, you know, it's funny, the, the story of Collecting Courage, uh, when you think of it being a story of fundraisers uh, sharing their truth and experiences in the sector, it's really a story about relationships too. So that's mm -hmm. how the book came into being. I have known Gail Pico for just over 20 years and uh, Gail had written the book Cap in Hand and the, the group of uh, uh, Black Canadian uh, Fundraisers Collective, we had selected Gail's book in December 2019, I believe, as the book that we would review. And because of my connection uh, with Gail, I invited her to, to join us. And uh, she was just, uh, you know, she was just pleased to be there to be surrounded by so many amazing uh, black female fundraisers. And she at that point talked about, you know, something she was thinking of in terms of a compilation of, of stories featuring black fundraisers. So that idea got floated at that point. Um, in February uh, 2020, of course, Gail launched the, the, the charity report. And at the same time, she was making um, uh, some headway into creating her own uh, book publishing business as a part of, uh, as an imprint of Civil Sector Press. So that was Gail K. Pico Books. And as, as, as Anika said, uh, she, Gail was quite aware of the All Right to Heal project. Mm. Uh, George Floyd happened. And by June, uh, Gail was on the phone with me thinking, saying essentially, Nicole, I think the time is now. And I thought, yeah. I think the time is now. And I got off the phone with Gail, connected immediately with uh, Anika, and, uh, and, and then Anika sort of sent it out to, to our group. And uh, as I love to say, Camilla jumped on board and we're so exceedingly pleased that, that she did. So that's how you have the, the three of us with you today. Yeah, I love, I love, Nicole, how you say, and for me, this has been so uh, um, prominent over the last, I'd say, seven to 10 years. And, and even as I dig more into face-to-face, -face, you know, Richard Wagami said stories are meant to heal, yes. you know, Canadian Indigenous writer. And, yeah. and how do we get to counter narratives, you know, and I, I'm going to say merely, and I hope you know what I mean by that, but merely by telling our story. And, and, and Anika, I love too the, the, the ears, and I'd love to hear what, Camila, what you think about this, but Anika said the ears of the world opened in a new way. Um, Camila, can you can you unpack that a little bit for us about how you know if I mean it's if you have ears to hear, right? Yeah, I think with with the the with what happened with George Floyd, it was just everywhere, and there was no way that people would not talk about it. You know, I think it was so in everyone's face that um, it also created an opportunity to to really initiate a much more 
significant conversation, right? Uh, it didn't. It, it it didn't start with him. We had before him. We had Brianna Taylor, and we had uh, many many others for for years and decades. But I think that uh, um, the the sort of um, the the it was the the power imposed over him, the the suffering, and you know everything that that was involved in that situation uh, really created the, a moment when the entire world uh, literally said this enough is enough. Um, and I think that for, for us, and that's how I actually met them, um, we've, been, we've been looking into the, the, the healing process, I would say, you know, like since I started in the sector, um, I've been looking and, and trying to figure out like, where are other women like me? That's how I met them actually, um, because we're always looking for support. Mm. Um, we're looking into leaning on each other and, and between us, we already share our stories, but I think it was time to share with the world, right? And, and it was interesting because we were doing the launching of the book. That's the day it really sank. I was just like, oh my God, it's out there. Mm. Um, and, and I think the timing was just really, I don't want to use the word perfect because it might not sound right, but, but you know what I mean? It, it was just um, a very special and timing moment for us to be like, okay, this is what is happening to us. Yeah. Um, the way it all came to be, the way the book came together, um, the sharing our experiences with Canadian and also American um, um, sister friends, uh, I think it, it makes it even more um, the project and the importance and the content and what we have to say much more powerful. You know, this is our truth. I so, love that. This is, that should be the t-shirt. This is our truth. Um, <laughs> by the way, have you guys got merchandise to sell? I don't, I haven't seen that on the website yet. I want I want my coffee mug. Yeah. We, we want our coffee mug too. I <laughs> yes. the t-shirt, but the coffee too. mug definitely. Yeah, let's work on that. I think there could be a fundraising campaign here. Yeah. I'd love to know what the response has been to the to, to the book. And, and uh, has there been, okay, sorry, I'm going to go a little negative. You guys are realists, clearly, but you're joyful realists. I love that about all of you. Um, I can tell by your smiles, your demeanor. I can tell by the book. I can tell by the poetry in the book. I mean, just I'm getting goosebumps, you know, thinking about it. So you've 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 stepped into a bit of a mess, frankly, and yet you've you've you eyes wide open, and it seems like you're all smiling while you're doing it, and that's a remarkable thing to me. And so I would love to hear, at the risk of going negative, I would love to hear what the response to the book has been like. Mm -hmm. Nicole, you want to take it? Yeah, I'll 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 start off, and my sisters will certainly build on it. I think. Uh, the response has been good. Uh, it's been mixed. Um, are we surprised? I don't think we are, right? Because we're putting something out there that has never been out there in such a public way, right? right. The conversations, conversations have been happening within our community for a long time, talking about these things. But this is a very public outing of what something we know was existing. So I think the conversation has been mixed. People, a lot of people, we've gotten amazingly positive feedback saying this was the time this needed to be said. We have also gotten some silence, right? From within the sector, right? 
And it's not for me to interpret what that silence means, but I have an idea. Some people may be taken aback, right? They don't know what to say. Or there may be a situation where in not knowing what to say, nothing happens. So let us not just even talk about it, because if we talk about it, it means we have to acknowledge these experiences and these truths. And, and sometimes that's a very difficult thing for people to do. Now, the fact is, I think we went into this project with our eyes wide open, right? So we had our expectations and there are no limits to those expectations, right? So that's a wonderful thing. Um, but we also went into it uh, understanding that we were trying to build something. We were gaining momentum and that takes time. And that sometimes take us through bumpy roads. So again, we are a people we come from a people who have had setbacks or things have not gone smoothly. So we were sort of prepared, uh, not sort of, we were prepared for that to happen. So we are prepared to, to hang in there, uh, to keep going and to keep speaking because we're just scratching the surface. So I'll leave it there and then uh, have Anika and Camilla pick up. I, you know, just to pick up on the question about joy, you know, collecting courage is a documenting. It's a documenting of our lives and it's a documenting of what's happened to us but also what is happening to us right and i think that in you know raising our voices and having the capacity to speak our truth in in laid in that is liberty hmm. and so in that freedom is joy True, um, liberty with, uh, so I'm, I'm trying I'm not, I'm not looking for a syllogism here, but, but, uh, but, but, you know, freedom, truth, freedom, joy, they're kind of all connected, it seems to me. And yet, if I, if I hear what Nicole was saying, and I've certainly come up against this, the, I mean, tell me anyone who wants to be called out or called up. You know, I, in fact, I think you guys are doing that. And I know it can be cliche and trite. You're not calling people out. You're calling them up. Okay, your ears are open. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to step into this? There is a responsibility here as well. Oh, and by the way, why don't you do it with, with, with uh, the spirit of joy? <laughs> which, which is really hard to do when you're on the other side and somebody's saying, um, not that you're less than, but, 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 but in a sense, I guess you're not measuring up. It's, this is unjust. How are you going to respond? Maybe this is a nice segue into this notion. I, I'd love to hear more about this notion of a historic exclusion in the charitable sector. Camila, can, can you step into that for me? What, what does that even mean? I love, I love where that takes me, um, you know, but, but could you, could you uh, help, help our audience and, and me to understand that a little more? I think it, it starts with um, how the charitable sector is seen and has always been um, comp uh, composed of. The charitable sector is a very white space. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's the beginning of the conversation. Um, if you look at our donor, um, our donors are mainly male and white. That's another conversation right there. So I think that the, the exclusion starts from the um, I want to say from the root of the sector. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my my colleagues to jump in, but I see that it starts from there. 
um, where we are not part of. Um, and then if you go inside the organization um, and you look at leadership and you look at boards, mm. it continues there, um, which sets direction, right? The direction which sets goals. So um, it's a structural, I would say, I think, um, issue that we have. Um, that it's being addressed now. We, we see it often, people saying, no, we need more diverse boards. But I think that's the root of the problem. Um, I, think Camila, I think Camila is quite right. And you know, what she's just described is a microcosm of society at large. Exactly. Right? And so, you know, I think that is what we're getting at in collecting courage. And that is that the philanthropic or charitable sector is not an exemption. They are not exempt from the societal realities of anti-Black racism. And this isn't, is it fair to say too, that when you say microcosm, I think, um, I mean, there's lots of lessons here in the, in, in what, your project is all about for everyone, it seems to me. So this is about Canadian, it's about North American, let's say, the North American charitable sector, but it seems to me there are lessons globally here, right? There's so much to take out of this. Yes, it's very specific in its, in its, uh, in its uh, critique and its observations, but, but, but not just for that, that microcosm. So in other words, this isn't just happening in the philanthropic sector. This is this is kind of across the board, right? That's sort of the assessment. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. I think I think it is, David, because I think we talk about a thread and the thread of racism runs deep and it runs far, right? So I think that's what we're saying here. And I think, you know, these, these first person accounts that we have mm. in this book is, as I said before, it scratches the surface, right? We could have had many more contributors to this book. Um, we are scratching the surface. So this is, is there. And then why is this there, right? The question is, why do we find that we have a, a sector that demographically looks a certain way and has maintained that for a very, very long time, even when there's changing demographics, right? And it also, I, I want to also bring in this whole idea about power, because people will say, well, it's changing. Look, you know, you're now seeing more uh, people of color, black fundraisers, indigenous fundraisers. You're now seeing them in organization. Then the question then becomes who in those organizations actually hold the power that has remained exclusively white and male. It has remained that way for a long time. So when something is maintained and remains like that, you have to assume there are some barriers. There are some specific things being done. Uh, so specific actions and inactions that are happening that are causing that that picture of the sector. The second thing I just wanted to sort of uh, talk quickly about is the the problem. So when when the sector realizes that there is a problem here, what happens is the the prognosis, the solution is seen as um, it's based on the problem as they identify. So the problem is you don't have trained black fundraisers or trained indigenous fundraisers or people of color in the sector. So what we have to do is to provide training for those folks. It's just a si simple thing of gap, right? And that's not true because when you look at the folks that have, you know, all the, 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 the women and men that have 
contributed to this uh, collection, you see these are accomplished mm. Black people. Extremely accomplished, as, as, as Camilla would say, they are all beyond excellent. And so you have to sort of say, if they're writing this, and these are the folks you're looking at, then what is happening? Why are people like that being excluded? So if you frame the problem as uh, the fact there is a gap in, 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 in the availability of, of black fundraisers or fundraisers of color, then the solution is going to be, um, okay, well, let us get mentorship programs uh, so that we can bring folks along. And we know that's not how the problem should be framed. And certainly that solution is, is not going to, to, to respond adequately to the problem. Yeah, I find it really interesting you talk about action and inaction. And I wonder how much of, you know, why we find ourselves in this place, which seems to be a little more positive than it was, say, 5, 10, 15 years ago. People are talking about it. It's a new conversation. The time is now. And I want to ask you about that, by the way. Um, I think your book is going to sit on people's shelves with very little dust on it over the years, because I think the time's always going to be now, if that makes any sense. And I'd love for you guys to, 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 to riff on that a little bit, because I think there's always going... Aren't we always going to have these issues of, of, of one kind or another? It seems that we're going to be... Um, railing against we hope not uh maybe in our lifetime we won't see you know the the, the real answers maybe our children etc but but i hope we're not always rolling the rock up the hill but 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 uh anyway anyway the time is is, is always going to be now but nicole this idea of of inaction so the racism becomes then not even intentional it's just built within right it's ide it's deeply ideological and that's where i I think we have we're barely scratching the surface on this as a conversation, and you know um, how do we peel? How do we continue to peel back those layers so that we just don't go back the way things were? Yeah, that, that's know, a yeah yeah. Please, Anika. I have several thoughts on this. Oh, I bet you do. <laughs> and and hey, we're not going to be able to get all those thoughts on one coffee. That's man. right. I'm I've, just saying. Yeah. I've, just going to offer you one, you know, the work of being an anti-racist, which is not the same as being not racist, right? This is an active thing. This is a doing, mm. right? Being an anti-racist is a doing and it's a doing it's good. for you as an individual, which means that the work is yours. And so I spend a great deal of my time working with people around identity in the context in which we find ourselves. And part of the way that we ensure that we remain committed to justice, because that's what this is all about, right? Mm, it's good. It's not about diversity. It's not about inclusion. It's not, it's not about equity. Equity is the way we, we want to get to justice, but justice is the it's goal. Good. It's great. Love it. Right? We have to understand who we are, where we are, and the understanding where we are means understanding the historical nature of where we find ourselves, which many of us are not called into either of those things for a matter, for a matter of fact. How many, how many people ask you about who you are as an individual, how you identify, and how that relates to your environment? Very few people, right? 
When we begin to understand those two things and find ourselves in the context and then apply a racial equity lens to that, your work becomes very evident. Your anti-racist work becomes evident and you are propelled to be closer to the problem. I think collecting courage is an invitation to get in proximity to the mm. problem of anti-Black racism. And so when I hear you say our book is going to be on people's shelves without very much dust, that makes me happy because as long as we remain connected and we have proximity to the problem of anti-Black racism, we will continue to engage in the struggle for freedom and for justice. Does does proximity, Camila, does proximity to the problem? I love that. I love that, by the way, Anika. Does that rem- does that sort of presuppose that I'm going to my ears are always going to be open? I hope so. <laughs> um, that's how I understand it. Um, I think you need to first you have to acknowledge that it's it's real, that it's there, that it right. exists. Right. And I think when we're talking about the silence part of earlier. I think that's part of it. When you remain silent, you kind of like don't acknowledge it, right? Because once you do that, the next step for me is to take action. Somehow you can't, you can't hide away from it anymore. Um, well, I would say uh, some, some might try, some might try. And I think the way you try, it's not engaging in conversation, but you know, it's there. So how long can you actually keep yourself outside of it when it's all around you, right? Um, when at work it's being talked about on TV, it's being talked about. So there's, I, I don't believe there's a way just to keep yourself out of it. Um, and I think that's how our, our book will contribute to it. I think, I think narratives, first person narrative, listen to people's stories mm. and, 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 and really um, giving not importance, but, but yeah, to, to their lived experiences. Um, is extremely important. Um, I think we've been part of the exclusion that we felt it's because our lived experiences are not taken into consideration. And I think once you start doing that, and I think, and, and to me, it's an exercise. It's, it's a daily exercise. And because I think they're so used, to, mm, I'm, I'm measuring my words here, as you can see. I think <laughs> no, it's sometimes great. you're so used to a, a pattern, a behavior sure. of how to to um, approach things and deal with them. Uh, it's it's hard to catch yourself sometimes and just be like, "Oops, I'm doing this again." Yes. But I think that's what our stories are telling as well, yeah. right? Through our stories, you, you you can see situations where once you've read it and you know of them, when you see it happening, um, you should say something. Right. But if you're at that framework, if you're that in that space that Anika was talking about of doing the anti-racist work, if you're in that space, that's when you step in because you recognize it and you can just not right. say anything anymore. Well, I think and I think empathy is where I went to while you were kind of talking about that. And how, how do we empathize? We listen. We shut the hell up. Yep. And we we listen to the other and we actually hear the story and hopefully we say, hang on, I don't know what you mean by that. Tell, tell me more. I've never heard that before or, or whatever those penetrating questions are going to be. But that requires, yeah. 
I think, an openness. Nicole, do you think that people who read collect is collecting courage going to shock people out of their complacency? In other words, do people have to be um, already warmed up, if you will, to to the message? Does that make sense? Because sometimes I wonder. Oh man, we're just preaching to the converted again, you know. And and how how do we get? I mean, one of the questions I wanted to get to eventually was how do we affect real change? So I've only asked you about six questions, by the way, Nicole. So you can choose whichever one you want to answer. Hey, <laughs> thanks, David. So um, let me let me tackle. You know, it's it's interesting because I'm I'm listening to. I I, I knew Anika was going to talk because to me the the heart of the question that you asked was around identity. And, you know, mm. we look to Anika because that's the work that she does uh, all the time and understanding that. And when you talk, and I, and I love when she talks about proximity and I, I wanted to just sort of build on what both of them have said. Um, proximity, what, what happens with proximity? It's not that uh, you're going to be feeling uh, great because you're going to be uh juxtaposed you're going to be beside issues that you may not have heard before sure or you yeah. have ignored before right, right? Yep. or you, you have no reason to pay attention through, through action or maybe in action through action or in action yep. So yep. what's going to happen with that is you know you're 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 either going to sort of get a sense and you're going to feel uncomfortable because these things are not comfortable but you have to depersonalize it you have to personalize it and depersonalize it. That's it's good. work that you have to do if you are really committed to moving forward and changing things, right? Um, or you're going to just ignore it again. So when you come back to say about, uh, you know, the, the book, I have, uh, I'm hopeful uh, that this book is going to be part of the conversation uh, for a very long time and people will come at it whenever they're ready. And they might be coming at it when they're not ready. Is it planting a seed? Is it warming something up for later? Something triggers something, right? That's okay too. That's why we talked about it being this long process, right? We, and I'll tell you this, we were in the process of, you know, you're in the co-editor hat on, uh, so it's a little bit different. And then at the same time, we're, we're thinking about our individual pieces. Um, And then when all of that was put together and all done, we all had the opportunity to just sit back and read the book. Mm, Nice. And experience the book. And honestly, David, every time we read it, and we've read it several times, you, it feels like you go deeper and it Mm. feels like you learn more. Right. And I think that is our hope that the book, it will be one of those things that is passed around. It will have, you know, tattered pages, you know, they'll have little post-it, post-it notes attached to it. Yeah. People will come back to it. Right. And I think that's, that's, that's what, that's what change looks like is revisiting these things and opening up yourself to sort of shifting your perspective and being prepared. Then once your perspective is shifted, you have to do something, you have to do something. Yeah, no, the call to the call to action is is not only implied, it's 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 really quite explicit, actually. And everyone's going to step into it in a different way, exactly. right? Everyone's going to step into it. I so love that, Nicole. I love too, by the way, that your chapter and help me out here is a collection of poetry. Is that is that a fair way to put it in the book? 
Oh my! Oh, it's my poetry. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's not, yeah. yes it's, it's yeah. It's my poetry. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a, it's really, really beautiful. And and I'm going to read the, the not. I'm going to read Stephen Grellet's piece here. Quote: I I shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that I can do, or any kindness that I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer or neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. It, I mean, the time is now, right? I mean, it sounds, on one level, I, I, I love that we, we're, we're clearly all idealists, I think, here on some level, right? Uh, but you know what? This, this, is, this is the real world. And that's why I love this book, because it's got an academic edge, clearly, incredibly smart, talented, thoughtful, insightful people have, have been a part of this, but it's rooted in personal narrative. And I bet you, Nicole, that's why you're discovering, you know, when you go back to it, I wonder if there's something there, there's more going on than meets the eye to all of our stories. And, and I, and I love that. I also love that I prepared about 15 questions and I've really only asked one of them, just so you know. So just, just saying, um, so, so I love that. I think I read, I think I read in the intro to the book that, uh, uh, through, through contexts, through context comes understanding. What a beautiful phrase. To me, that sounds like one needs to listen. But I, I hear a lot going on in that phrase. Uh, Anika, did you did you write that? Was that your? That yeah, was I, your, yeah, I, I wondered. I, I did write that. And it relates very much to what I was describing earlier about identity and understanding context and proximity. And, you know, when we begin to understand, you know, where we are, we then can begin to understand what we see around us, mm. right? You hear people say, oh, I can't believe that's happening in 2021. How is right. that happening? Well, that, that's born out of a lack of understanding mm. for the context, right? And so to me, there's just such a great invitation into understanding the broader context and the collection of our stories come together formulate a picture of a context. In the introduction, I try to set sort of a frame around those stories so people can understand these aren't one-off, you know, experiences. It's probably really important for you to know too, none of our authors knew what each other was going to write. Right. No one read anybody's work in advance. The only people who read the work in advance were the three of us. And it is not a coincidence <laughs> that each story is sewn together, right? Through a common experience of struggle and oppression. And so I know in my life, I have been invited into understanding the context so that I can better understand my condition. And so I think that that is an invitation for everyone. That's good. No, I think it. I think it's such wise advice for 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 any sector, um, for for any community member, for any family member. Really, isn't it? I mean, it. it and this is what I love about collecting courage. It's so so applicable across the board. By the way, the website. Help me out here, though. Is collectingcourage.org. Yes. Uh, and sadly, you can't buy a coffee mug there yet, but you can get a copy of the book. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Um, so, so how let's, let's, let, 
this idea too um, of benevolence and the and the charitable sector i found really fascinating in the book and we are so not even going to scratch the surface and i i love that that's sort of what's happening in our conversation never mind society right but anyway um benevolence just being sort of bestowed i think is the way you sort of refer it on the charitable sector can can one of you talk about that because i think that's really an important takeaway from collecting courage because we it's like, can I say, are you guys, do any of you play Monopoly as kids? I, I love Monopoly. Yeah. You know, do do we give the, the, the charitable sector a get out of jail free card? You know, that's. So I, yeah. I, I want to say just one thing, but I know probably Nicole and Camila both have something to say about this. So we're going to, let's see if we can get it in, David. <laughs> um, when I, when I thought about this question, I was thinking about white saviorism, mm. about Western philanthropy. Sure, white man's burden. Emerge, where, exactly, where that emerges from, right? And, and altruism, the one-way nature of altruism, right? All of that is flawed. You mm. know, it's someone who has some power, some resources, deciding they're gonna bend low you know, to help the lowly people do the thing. When in reality, we're talking about injustice on the ground, right? And the question ought to be, what are we doing about the injustice on the ground? You know, people who are on the ground, oppressed by the injustice have been organizing for centuries. <laughs> Right, mm -hmm. and we organize and we fundraise and we create solutions for ourselves. We have reciprocal and mutual relationships and we have a brand of philanthropy that predates this version of philanthropy that we know so well here in North America and in Europe and around the world for that matter. And so it's interesting to me but it also makes sense to me that the narrative around this Western, westernized version of philanthropy is one of benevolence because it fits the narrative that they created around all those other elements I just explained. When in reality, in my reality, in our reality as black women, philanthropy is my mother, philanthropy is my grandmother. Those are the philanthropists I know. Right. Deeply, deeply connected to uh, the idea of hospitality, maybe? Not even hospitality, because hospitality is still one way, right? Mm. It's somebody inviting you in, right? Sure. Reciprocity is, I need you as much as you need me. Right. And this thing never actually stops, right? It, it doesn't mean it's balanced, because sometimes I need you 80% and you need me 50%. Like, it changes. It's, it's, it's alive. It's always yeah, moving. Sure. And it's always connected and it's always proximate. Yeah, any 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 good existentialist would say that I only know myself in relationship to others, right? Right. 100%. Yeah, which, which brings us back to community and we hope support and leaning on one another, et cetera, et cetera. So instead of, you know, landing on the ground with a clipboard in hand, maybe, maybe we should end, land on the ground with a blank notepad in hand and and a couple of pens 
right? And sit down and, and spend some more time listening. I mean, this has been one of the things I've certainly, uh, and many others have criticized the development sector for is, you know, is that, that, that we've got it all sorted out and we're going to bring it your way. Yeah, it's a Instead, prescribing. Right? Yeah, prescribing. yeah, pres a very prescriptive. Yeah, and, and David, I would suggest not even a notepad. <laughs> land, land on the ground and have a meal. You have a meal together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Share a cup of oh, coffee getting, or tea. Getting or... to community. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's, it's really, really uh, wise advice. Okay. Um, yeah, the, I, I definitely something I'm going to be thinking about a little more uh, in the near future, this idea of the benef benevolence being freely conferred, uh, conferred or bestowed. I can't remember the word that you, that you guys yeah. used, but Camila, what's the greatest threat? We've got to wrap it up soon, but what's the greatest threat to the charitable sector in this country? And I know that I, I don't like polarizing questions. They were, you know, I really don't. And I just asked one. So there's more than one threat. I get it. But, but yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that. I would say um, not keeping their ears open and not um, um, getting to know their communities learning, listening, um, really being involved, not just going with the solution, quote unquote, because you guys can see me, but I'm doing that. Uh, but really, uh, and genuinely and truly um, being involved, I think that's, yeah, how I see it. Participating. Yeah, yeah. refusal yeah. to listen. Yeah. To listen. I wanted to add to that actually, David, because, you know, I, as I <laughs> thought about this, it's like, okay, don't, don't ask me this question because I can ream off a bunch of things. But I think uh, one of the greatest threats for the sector is this propagation, and it, it picks up on what Anika was saying before, right? Is this propagation of a singular narrative, a singular story of what philanthropy is. And one of the things that we are we knew but we are also learning right we're we're also curious and hungry to get more information um Madej, uh did and and camilla was part of this research project that looked at philanthropy in parts of africa and how it gets expressed um Mathoni, uh, who is another contributor to the, to the book, she and I wrote a piece around uh, philanthropy. She did it in Kenya, and I talked about philanthropy in, in Jamaica, right? Uh, Anika, she's a sixth generation Canadian, and she speaks about philanthropy, um, her mom, her grandmother, her, her people, right? And the thread that holds that all, whole thing together speaks of a different narrative of philanthropy. So it feels like it's, it's, it's in, in part of our DNA, uh, regardless of where you may be in the diaspora, mm. it, there's something that has held us together for centuries and that is important to recognize. So the, 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 the danger I think for the charitable sector is if they refuse to change their singular narrative and not open themselves up to these forms of valid formal ways of, of giving and receiving. That's good. 
I, I, I think quite easily this could become the longest podcast I've ever done. So, um, I, I mean, very easily, but we are going to have to wrap it up shortly. Anika and Nicole, are you talking about love by any chance? Anika, you kind of, you, and I, I don't want to give too much away about the book, but this thing that has held us together, is that, is that part of it? And Anika, you write about that. Oh yeah. At, at yes. the end of the book. And I just so love that there's such a positive thematic element to this book, because I think on the surface, people could look at it and say, wow, these guys are really critical or wow. They're, you know what I mean? Like just, just sort of dismiss, be dismissive, right. Because of the criticism, but you kind of really can't go there because you, you, you do it in such a, uh, uh, relational way, if that makes any sense. And, yeah, and makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. But anyway, can you talk a tiny bit about that love component? Yeah. So it's interesting. One of the main questions I get from my family who've read the book is, oh, we got to your, we got to your part and we were so surprised to learn you didn't tell any of your stories. I said, well, I did tell, what are you talking about? I did tell <laughs> one of my stories. Trust your family uh, not to get it, right? Oh, they were just like, <laughs> we really wanted you to spill tea. And I was like, I right. spilled a lot Funny. of tea. Funny. <laughs> but this time I really, it, again, like individually, all of the authors chose their approach and how they wanted to do this. And I was no different. I wanted to challenge myself to write something new and fresh and different. And I wanted to write about love and I wanted to write with a black audience in my mm. mind. And so it was out of that desire that I began to explore, well, what does love look like for me? And when did I experience it and how did it show up for me? And that brought me back to the beginning of my fundraising career. And it really was a beautiful, I mean, it was just so beautiful because my, the beginning of my career was centered around my his my personal history as well right. which also has an application for black people across the diaspora right like you know the legacy of love that has allowed us to mm. survive atrocity and oppression and injustice for centuries right wherever we find ourselves and so i thought that that was just a really beautiful message um had no idea my story would end up at the end didn't know where as a matter of fact, I had the themes out of order until the book got put together. So I really didn't know where my story was going to go. And so it was it was a beautiful thing for, for it to be chosen to, to end the book. But I think it's an important point, you know, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of suffering, joy, but also love. And it's yeah. love that actually sees us through and has allowed us to survive. I think it's a brilliant metaphor. As an editor, you didn't even know where your story was going to go. It was going to fit. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, isn't that kind of the craziness that we call this beautiful, tragic thing called life? <laughs> 100%. And, and David, I have to add this piece because, uh, you know, and, 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 and it certainly applied for Camilla because Camilla is like, I'm doing freedom, right? I'm doing, <laughs> that's where she was at. And Staking the ground, yeah. And you read Camilla's story and again, this powerful, this thread of philanthropy from a youth and, and you know, finding freedom in our collectivism, right? And, sure. and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Anika knew that that is what she wanted to write on. Right. She, I, I don't think she thought about what the framing, but she had put that stake in sure. that I want to do. As she said, you know, she 
possibly wanted. She could have told a whole lot of other stories. Sure, but sure. That's what it was. And what is really nice, I think Anika mentioned, she used, used the word frame. And I think um, in writing the introductions and setting that context and in, in ending up finishing on that note of love, I, I think the stories of the collections are framed in it within that context and that like you can just take the story and throw it in because the frame is there and anika mentioned about you know there is there is a giving right as she said you know there's suffering but the way we get through that is with hope and a mm. heck of a lot of love like if you had a recipe you know you would say yeah. sprinkle uh, you know don't even want worry to measure how much love you need, just grab a handful and just sprinkle it because that's how we actually get by. And uh, that that story, you know, as she said, we had no idea where it would fit. And it just feels like the introduction and that final story frames the collection in in, in an amazing way. Well, it's a, be a beautiful book and to, to collecting courage and for, for all of you who, who need to get a copy, you can at collectingcourage.org. And I'm just saying, Anika, you wouldn't have spilled so much tea had you been drinking from a Collecting Courage mug. Just saying. It's coming. It's coming, don't worry. <laughs> it's beyond excellent. That's yeah. right. So, so hey, uh, April 16th. Uh, well, well, we might, is that right? That is the date, isn't it? Yeah, yeah we're going to be back. We'll, yeah, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. Uh, people are going to hear about that on social. Uh, we, we've got a panel discussion with a good, uh, almost all of the authors, actually, I think. Um, right. And we're we're looking forward to it. And honestly, I knew, I knew we would barely get out of the gate uh, today. And what a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time and, and for uh, taking us a little deeper and the the, the 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 collection is collecting courage we have anika allen camilla uh, Pereira, and nicole salmon here with us today on face to face thanks so much for taking the time with me today Re really uh, a real pleasure thank you david thank you so much hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.